your Bibles, Judges chapter 6. In this message, I feel that this message is for the person who feels insignificant and overlooked, okay? We said a series of messages on don't say. And look to the person next to you and say, don't you say that God can't do great things through you. Don't say that God can't do great things through you. This message is for the person, if you've ever struggled with feelings of being insignificant, if you've ever felt that twinge inside, feeling like that you're consistently overlooked, you're just like, I just wish, I just feel nobody notices what I do, or nobody notices the gift that I have. If you struggle with feelings of insignificance or feeling of being overlooked, I've got a word from the Lord for you today. And you are anything but insignificant to him. You're anything but insignificant to him. And I want you to know that the Lord has you in the center of his crosshairs. And as I was preparing my message, I kind of got this picture. If you've ever been hunting, if any of you guys have a scope, when you put your eye up to the scope there, that you look through the scope, you can see the animal or whatever it is that you're looking at, and the crosshairs are right there. God has you right in the center of his crosshairs, just like he did this guy named Gideon. Now, throughout the book of Judges, there was this pattern. The Israelites would sin, and God would raise up a deliverer. And when they sinned, It would lead them into bondage. When God would raise up a deliverer and they'd repent, it'd lead them into times of prosperity. The same thing that happens in our lives. When we obey God and we obey the voice of the Lord, he blesses in our lives. When we disobey, there's consequences that come as a result of our sin and of our disobedience. The Israelites, at this point, as a result of their disobedience, the Midianites were given permission to come in and to harass them. At harvest time, the people would work so hard out in their fields, raising their crops, and at harvest time, a band of raiders would come through. They would steal all of their harvest. They would come through and they would, they would harass the people and they would rob from them. And they would leave the people discouraged, desperate, and impoverished. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it picks up right after it explains that to us. And it says that the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. It belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midianites. Now, the first thing I want you to know is that the circumstances in life tempt us to question our significance. Say that again. The circumstances in life tempt us to question our significance. 
As I was preparing this message, I had originally wrote down that the circumstances in life make us feel insignificant, but that's not true. It's not true. They don't make you feel anything. They tempt you. They don't make you. They tempt you to feel insignificant. One version that I read has Gideon saying this to the Lord. Whenever he says, pardon me, Lord, but if you're with us, why has all of this happened to us? The circumstances that surrounded Gideon tempted him to doubt himself and to be afraid. Yet the angel of the Lord addressed him by his true character. See, when God looks at you, he sees beyond the circumstances of your life. And he sees who you really are. He sees beyond the facade. He sees beyond what's happening around you. And the angel of the Lord addressed him by who he really was. He called him by his real name. What does he call him? What's he say to him? What's the term that he uses for Gideon? Mighty warrior. The angel addressed him as mighty warrior. I don't think that Gideon felt like a mighty warrior at that moment. He probably felt like anything but a mighty warrior. The circumstances of Gideon's life tempted him to go up there and hide at the threshing floor. The circumstances of his life tempted him to doubt the true calling of God upon him. And as he's looking at his circumstances, if you and I look at our circumstances, they can make us feel uneasy. It's kind of ironic how from one moment to the next, it's Monday morning and everything's going your way and you feel so confident that you know what you're called to do. You still feel so confident of the giftings that God has placed in your life. You feel so confident that you're in his will. And then by Monday afternoon, you may get a word. Someone may say something. A circumstance may happen that causes you or tempts you to doubt all the stuff that you believed about yourself before. It's amazing how much we allow our circumstances to influence what we think and what we believe, okay? Have you ever been in a situation that was not of your making, but where it made you question yourself, what's wrong with me? Maybe you go to the store and you walk in the store and like the people who work in the store are just like really rude to you. And you're just kind of like, what happened? What did I do? Maybe you work in a store and there's a bunch of rude people around you. And you're like, what's wrong with me that everyone has, like, do I have a kick me in the behind sign on my back? Maybe it's a workplace where you go to your workplace and there's just the atmosphere in your workplace causes you to question, what am I doing wrong? What's happening here? Are you with me or you guys don't know anything at all about that? Anyone here ever experienced something like that? Where you go into a situation and you're looking at yourself and you're saying, what did I do wrong? What is going on? Why? I don't understand what's happening. Maybe it's a family reunion and you go to a family reunion. Maybe you got a bunch of crazy relatives and you leave there and you're just like, 
I thought I was sane when I came in here, but I don't know if I'm sane or not. What's wrong with me? Now, I believe this. I want you to hear this very clearly. God was saying to Gideon, you're not part of the problem. You may be in the midst of the problem, but you're not part of the problem. And God is raising you up in the midst of the problem to be a solution to the problem. But you're not the problem. And there's a lot of people who you get put in situations and you take upon yourself the problem. And you feel like it's, well, the problem must be me because here's this problem at work and here's this difficulty in my extended family. So surely it must be me. Now there's some people, let's be honest, there's some people who never think they're the problem. And if you're that person, we might be talking about you in a minute, okay? There's some people who they could never be a part of the problem. It's always everybody else. But I'm talking to the person who you go into a situation and you're always just like, what did I do wrong? What, did, what happened here? God was speaking to Gideon. Gideon's not the problem. He's in the midst of a problem and God's raising him up to be a solution, but it wasn't his doing that brought this problem upon them. The verse 14 says, the Lord turned to him and said to him, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? God says, Gideon, you're the solution. I'm raising you up to be the answer. It's not your doing. It's not your fault. You're not the reason this is happening, but I'm raising you up as a deliverer. The second thing, first thing is circumstances in life tempt us to question our significance. The second thing is experiences in life tempt us to doubt our significance. Verse 15, but Lord Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Now Gideon asked God, God, how can I save Israel? His clan was the weakest in Manasseh and he was the weakest in his family. How did he come to make that statement? How did Gideon come to make this statement? Is it just false humility? How did he come to believe that statement? I would say probably because of the experiences Gideon had in the past. Say it again. I would say the reason why he said that is because of past experiences. Perhaps past experience, you know, some people say, well, oh, you may say, well, I feel kind of dumb. And some people say, oh, you aren't dumb. And But, you know, the reality of it is this. Your test scores showed that you were dumb. <laughs> I mean, can we just be honest? Your test scores said, you know, you say, oh, no, you weren't dumb. But you're saying, but I saw my test scores. I saw what they said. Gideon said, he said, I'm the least of my brothers. And someone could say, oh, Gideon, no, you're not the least of his brothers. But Gideon's experience showed this, that his sisters used to beat him up, okay? I don't know whether his sisters beat him up or not. 
probably the reality of this is in, in Gideon's life, he probably had an older brother who was stronger than him. He probably had an older brother who was a better athlete. He probably, maybe his younger brother was faster than him. And his other brother could beat him in wrestling. And, and so there's these different things in, in Gideon's past, the experiences of what he experienced that said to him, you aren't the strongest. You aren't the fastest. His experiences said to him, you aren't the smartest. That was Gideon's experience. That was what I realized this, that there's times where our mind says that to us and those negative words come. But there's times that the reality of it is, let's just be honest. There's times when you're not the smartest and you're not the prettiest and you're not the fastest and you're not the best athlete or you're not the best with this or the best with that. Here's the reality. There's many people whose experiences say to them, that you're insignificant. Their experience says to them, you're insignificant. They've been overlooked in the past. They've started things and failed. They've been forgotten or they've been picked last much of their life. And somehow those feelings still stick with them. So whenever God tells Gideon, I've chosen you, Gideon's like, I think I need a sign. Because you're calling me to deliver the people. You're telling me to go in my strength. And from the time I was six till I was 15, my sister used to beat me up. I don't know that I'm the man for this job. But God says, I've chosen you. And friend, when God chooses you, when God anoints you, when he puts his hand upon you, I don't care what everybody else says. I don't care what your experiences are. I don't care what your past is. When God's hand comes upon you and when God says, I've chosen you, then all of those others don't matter. Now they matter in our minds. And what we're gonna find here is that God is patient with Gideon and working with him through this. I can see Gideon saying, wait a minute. Me? Why me? Are you sure, God? You've chosen me to deliver my people from the Israelites. Well, you know, my sister's tougher than me. You know that I wasn't the one that the family would pick first. And yet God still chose him. Are you kidding? Am I on candid camera? Are you gonna be here when I get back? Is this a joke? Did my brother send someone? Did my brother send you? And if I go, I'm gonna prepare some, a meal for you. But if I go and come back, are you really gonna be here? And the angel of the Lord said, I'll be here. I'll be waiting for you. Gideon goes and he prepares a sacrifice. The angel of the Lord touches the sacrifice with the tip of his rod and fire flared from the rock and consumed the sacrifice. Gideon then realizes it was an angel of the Lord and he thought he would die. But the Lord said to him, peace, don't be afraid, you're not gonna die. So Gideon built an altar there and called it, the Lord is peace. Now I want you to understand this, that Gideon came to know another dimension of God's character. He came to know the God of peace. In the midst of fearful times, the God of peace comforted Gideon with his peace. Now, the third thing I want you to recognize here in this portion of scripture is that systematic obedience to God's word enables us 
to experience true significance. Systematic obedience to God's word enables us to experience true significance. Verse 25, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In spite, I want you to understand this, in spite of being intimidated by his family and the other men in town, Gideon tore down Baal's altar and he built a proper altar to the Lord. But I want you to notice he did this in private. He did it at nighttime. I want you to see the graciousness of the Lord to Gideon. It was as if Gideon asked the Lord, can I do this in baby steps? Because God spoke to him and he said, I want you to tear it down. But Gideon didn't go up to his brothers, strut up to him grab a hold of them, tear down their altar in front of their face. He didn't walk up in front of all the men in town and grab a hold of it and tear it down. He didn't say, the Lord told me to do this. He waited until everybody was asleep. He's like, God, I don't know if this is you or not, but I feel like this is what you want me to do. And I can see Gideon and his 10 servants kind of tiptoeing out. Now, you know, can I tell you what? It's not like real bold and manly. It's not like Gideon stood up and put his foot up. He didn't do that. He snuck out and did it. But can will you understand this? God is gracious with us. He understands our frailty. He understands that we're but dust. But yet he still called Gideon a mighty warrior because that was Gideon's true identity. He didn't feel like a mighty warrior when he has his 10 servants sneaking up at night when no one can see. He didn't put his, sign his name on there and tag it, the big G. He didn't do that. He did it in secret. But God was gracious with him. God was patient with him. Gideon didn't have this boldness at that moment, but he felt like God said, I want you to go tear down that altar. Oh, he knew God said it. He snuck, but he tore it down. Now, what I want you to see is what takes place after he tears it down. In the portion of scripture, the people get all upset and they find out who did this, who tore down Baal's altar, and they come to Gideon's father and they say to Gideon's dad, give us your boy because he desecrated Baal's altar and they were gonna kill him. They were gonna abuse him, okay? And Gideon's dad says, hey, if Baal's a God, let Baal fight for himself. Baal can defend himself. And from that moment on, they changed Gideon's name. They had a new nickname for him. He was one who contended with Baal. Let Baal deal with him. And so the people in the community start to see Gideon as a different person. Jeroboam was the new name they called him. After this takes place, he tears it down. He builds a true altar to God. I want you to see what takes place. See, that was an act of obedience. He was not propping his leg up, flexing his muscles. He did it in secret. 
but I want you to see the next time that God asked him to do something. I want you to see what happens. Let's pick up now at verse 33. Now all the Midianites, the Malachites, and the eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. When the Spirit of the Lord, you see that? When the Spirit of the Lord came up on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites to follow him, he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Now, do you see what happened here? Whenever Gideon obeys and tears down the altar, that idolatry in his community, he tore down that altar of idolatry and he builds a true altar to the one true God and offers true sacrifices to God. The next time that the threat came from the enemy, what happens? The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he acted. I wanna say this to you. When you're not walking in obedience and the enemy surrounds you, it's hard to have boldness. But whenever Gideon was walking in obedience, here comes this threat from the enemies. These armies come in to come against Israel. And what has happened? The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. The touch of God came upon him and he acted. Do you see what took place there? That was a result of his obedience in the sneaky small things. Okay, God was patient with Gideon. He said, okay, Gideon, if you got to do it by night, that's cool. But when you do it by night, then my anointing is going to come upon you in the daytime. And people are going to see. And Gideon grabs the trumpet. He sounds the alarm. He didn't just do it for his own people. And not just for his own tribe, but for the tribes that surrounded them. Gideon sent out the call. And now these people are following Gideon's leadership. Yet even after that, Gideon still struggled. In verse 36, can I say this to you? Sometimes feelings of insignificance are not things that are broken in a moment. Sometimes the circumstances of your life and the experiences of your life have a way of impacting us more than what we realize. You know what I'm saying? It's not just, some things are dealt with in an instant and there's other things that sometimes they take a little longer to deal with. But God is so patient with us. He's so patient with us. And we see his patience here with Gideon. I want you to see what Gideon said to God. Verse 36, Gideon said to God, because God said, I'm going to save Israel with your hand. And God says, okay, if you'll save Israel by my hand as you promise, look, I'll place a fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you'll save Israel by my hand as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Wow. Gideon said, God, I just need to know this is really you talking to me. And so I'm going to put this before you. And God answers him. And what's the next thing that Gideon says to God? Then Gideon said, God, God, don't be mad. I hope I won't offend you. But can we just try this test one more time? I know you told me you said it, and I know that I wrung all the water out of the fleece, but just to make sure, could we do this one more time? And I wonder how many of us are like Gideon sometimes. Lord, I know that you told me, but uh, we're like Thomas. Lord, I believe, 
but could you help my unbelief? I want you to know today, God is a patient God. He's a gracious God. He's a long-suffering God. He didn't get angry with Gideon. He didn't say, Gideon, I'm not going to use you. Forget it. Get to the back of the line. I knew I should have chose your brother. He didn't say that. What does he do? It says, and Gideon said, the Lord, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground cover with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Friend, some of you, you need those fleeces. It's okay. You're saying, God, I believe you, but help my unbelief. God, I believe that you told me to talk to my neighbor, but could you give me just another opening? I want you to know God's patient with us. He's long-suffering with us. But I hope that you will hear what he's really calling you. God called Gideon a mighty warrior. And that's who Gideon was. I wonder today, what is God speaking about you? For some of you, he's calling you holy. And you're saying... This guy doesn't know me very well because I'm, I, you don't know what's happening in my life. I'm really not too holy. But that's who God's calling you because that's your destiny. Some of you, he's calling you soul winner. And you're saying, I don't even like to talk to people. I don't know if he's talking to me. Some of you, he's calling prophet. He's going to speak through you. And you're saying, some of you, he's calling generous. And you're saying, I'm not generous, pastor. I don't have anything to give. And God's saying, you're generous. Will you take a moment and allow him to speak his identity over your life? He's calling you, some of you, saint. I ain't a saint. Yes, you are. That's what he's calling you. And whatever it is that God is calling you, I hope that you will hear his voice louder than your circumstances and your past experiences. Because neither of those, neither of those are true compared to what God says about you. What he asks of us, he asks us to cooperate with him. Even if it's at night when everybody's not watching Even if we put our toe in the water and test it out, he's patient with us in that. And so for some of you who struggle with those feelings of being insignificant or overlooked, I want to ask you, will you be obedient in the small things that God is saying to you? Will you be obedient in those things? Because this is what I believe with all my heart. I believe if you will be obedient in those simple things that God is speaking to you, that you will then experience. Gideon goes out. All these people gather around Gideon. Thousands of men gather to Gideon. He blows a trumpet and God says, you got too many people. What? Nope, I'm not doing it that way. Because I'm going to show you that I'm the one who fights on your behalf. I'm not going to do it with thousands of men. Then you'll take credit for it. I want you to see that I'm God and I'm with 